Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, renewalchicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. Next week, y'all, we're having our racing and gospel and race conversation. We're going to talk about immigration. Um, and this morning, I want to talk about that a little bit. I, I really want to give us kind of a prelude, and uh, I want to preach and segue into that conversation next week. And I, it, this is a topic, y'all, that's pretty hot in society. It's been hot for a long time, and specifically, too, over the last couple of years with the proposal of the wall being built between the U.S. and Mexico. And friends, this may be a touchy subject for some of you all. Uh, This may be a little close to home, too, as if you call Renewal Church home, there's a lot of immigrants in our church or sons and daughters of immigrants here, too. So this this is a topic we have to talk about and know a little bit about here in our church. So here's what I'm not going to do this morning. I'm not going to try to change your political view or bash President Trump this morning. That's not what I'm going to do. Because hear me, the care for immigrants or people that are not like you is really not just a political issue. It's a gospel issue. Friends, there are around 3,000 verses in the Bible that speak to God's heart, to the alien, the widow, and the poor. And if you break down that word alien a little bit more, it really translates to immigrant. So when you read the word of God, it's pretty clear that God has a deep and, 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 and very, very, a big heart for immigrants. Again, the God, this is a God or a gospel issue, if you want to say. We cannot miss this no matter what's happening in society around us, okay? So hear me. And we can talk about politics all day long. I'm not telling you don't vote. I'm not telling you don't do that. I'm not telling you be a Democrat or Republican. We can be Democrat or Republican. We can vote one way or another. We can disagree. We can agree. But there is, this right here is a much bigger issue at hand. This immigration issue, it, it, it's, it's much bigger than your politics. And hear me again, border security really isn't an issue. Let me talk about it for a minute. I, I don't believe that if we really break it down, people are really in disagreement that there shouldn't be some type of border security. We all probably can agree and say, yeah, we should have some type of border security. Most people will say that. So again, this isn't about your politics. But see, there, therein lies the problem. Because most of the time with this issue, and when we argue about it, when it comes to politics, this is what happens. We're not really seeing the other person. We're not really seeing how it affects them. We're not slipping on the other person's boots. And then what happens is you got one person arguing from from this place of feeling like they're not valued in society or, 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 or they're looked down upon. Then you got another person that's arguing from a place of their political view. And what's happening is that these folks are never able to meet because they're like clamoring symbols coming at one another because they're arguing from different playing fields. And see, I would argue, before we argue about race, before we argue about politics, before we argue about immigration, family, this is what we have to do. we got to first level the playing field and see one another as image bearers of God. Which, hear me, means whether immigrant or not, God created that person, which makes them our neighbor. 
And if you read the word of God, when asked what's the greatest commandment, he says to love your Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Which is what we're going to talk about this morning because most of us, as we get into this text this morning, it's a little tough, but as we get into this text this morning and, and you look at this Jewish lawyer, that, that we're, we're kind of like him. We're like, God, who is my neighbor? Who, who's my neighbor? So if you got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to be this morning. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And if you got it, you know how we do. Go ahead, stand on your feet if you're able. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. If you want a Bible, we have some out on the table. We'd love to get one in your hands. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. I got it. All right. Starting in verse 25, here now the, the reading of God's word reads this way. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is it? What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was sitting, was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among some robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Remember that word, compassion. He went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an end and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to this man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. The very word of God, amen. Amen. Today I want to preach on this topic, loving my neighbor. Everybody say that with me. Loving my neighbor. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. You're an awesome God. We thank you for your word and it speaks Uh, to everything under the sun. There's nothing new. And God, we thank you for being a God that loves us enough to save us. We thank you for giving us a word that's sharp enough to prick to the heart of the enemy, but at the same time mold and shape ours. God, we thank you for your goodness. God, I ask that as I speak this morning, that you would hide me behind your cross, that you would decrease me so that you may increase. Let these folks hear a word from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, we all said together. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. As we jump into this passage, we've got to go to school a bit. So the context around this passage, Jesus, he's just sent out 72 people to do mighty works in his name. And you see this right before our passage and right before immediately our passage, they return back and they talk about all that was done, that 
that, G, that, that people were healed and demons were cast out of people. They all fall at the name of Jesus. Y'all, demons respect Jesus. So at this time in the text, Jesus is with his disciples, but there are also a mix of followers around him. And I would imagine some folks are around that don't believe in Jesus, but they're skeptical. Because here, here's the thing, if I saw 70 people leave out and they go out and they do mighty works, blind people are seeing again, people that couldn't walk are being healed, demons are being pulled out of people, and then those same folks return to Jesus, you know what's going to happen? I'm probably going to figure out who this Jesus is. Believe it or not, I'm going to see who this Jesus is. And, and you know what, if, if, it's, if I don't believe, I'm probably going to him trying to figure out who he is, but I'm also probably hating on him a little bit. Like, like, who is this Jesus? And when you get to this text, you see this very educated hater in this lawyer. He comes and he tests Jesus. And you may be asking, well, yeah, why do you keep saying hater, Pastor D? Well, what, what's that all about? Well, look at the text. Look at this lawyer. He doesn't come to Jesus asking who you are and how you do the things that you do. Are you, you must be from God. No, he's, the text says he comes to test Jesus. Verse 1, he comes to test him. Don't miss this. This is what haters do in your life. <laughs> they see someone doing well, and instead of saying, good job, what do they do? They come and try to prop themselves up, stick their chest out, and then try to tear you down. And sadly, y'all, many of us, we've experienced this with people in our lives. Well, you're trying to do good. You've been trying to put your best foot forward. You've been trying to make it happen. And then someone is always coming around talking about, well, this is what I did. Or you, you can't do it again. Always hating. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's the worst thing, right? I mean, why, why can't people just appreciate? Don't hate, appreciate. Isn't that what we say? I mean, why can't we just appreciate one another? But see, if you look in this text, if it brings you any consolation, look at this text. Hear me. What we see is that Jesus had haters too. He had haters too. And here's the thing. They actually killed him because of what he did. But here, here's what we have to pay attention. You can't miss this. Is that although people hated on him and they eventually killed him for his good works, he never, don't miss this, he never forgot who he was or his purpose while he was here. Now, that's a word because here, here's the thing. We forget that. So, family, hear me. I need you to hear this. Side note to the text. Never let the negative words of someone else deter you from where God is taking you, what your purpose in your life, the passions that he's instilled in your heart, or even just trying to do good, period. Don't let that deter you. And you might be asking, well, how do I do that, Pastor D? Well, look, I'm glad that you asked. Here's the truth. Hear me. It's by knowing your identity as a child of the Most High God. It's by knowing whose you are. It's by knowing your identity in God. I say this week in and week out, but if you call yourself a believer here, then here's the truth. You work from approval, not for approval. You know what that means? Y'all can clap. It's okay. Come on. You, you see, you, and you know what that means? It means that the only words about you that really matter when spoken to you are God's. Those are the only words that affect your life. And hear me, you know what he says about you? He says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He's proud of you. He loves you. He cares for you. And he approves of you. And all of this, guess what? Here's the best part. That's despite of what you do. That's despite of what you bring to the table. It's not based off of your good works. He loves you because of his son. 
He gives his son up, and if you believe, you're covered now in his grace. You're covered now in Jesus. So when God looks down, he's seeing Jesus, and he's saying, well done. He's not seeing your mess. He's actually smiling at you in the midst of your mess. And it's not because of you. I'm going to keep saying that. It's because Jesus is good. He took our sins upon himself, and if we believe y'all, he gives us his righteousness. Where now we're seen as righteous in God's sight. Hear me again. God's words and how he thinks of us is all that truly matters. It's all that truly matters. Now, back in this text, this hater, y'all, the hater in the text is, he stands no chance because Jesus is God in the flesh, and he's not bothered or rattled by this man or anything he has to say to him. This lawyer slash hater who is, who is very smart, he knows the law. In the Old Testament, he says this probably mockingly, teacher, <laughs> what, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You, just, you can just picture him mockingly like Jafar on Aladdin or something like, <laughs> teacher. I love Jesus because, look, he looks at this dude and he, he turns the question on his head when he's looking at him and he turns it right back and he says, basically in verse 26, you know the law. So what does it say? How does it read? Now, when Jesus asked this question, I need y'all to hear me. If you were learned in the Mosaic law, one would have known that they could either recite over, uh, over a whole week of, of Mosaic regulations, because that's how long it would have taken you to answer this question, or he could just sum it up and say what he says in the text where you look, look at verse 27. He says this. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mine and your neighbor as yourself jesus answers in verse 28 and he says yes you are correct do this and you will live then my man i'm pretty sure he's even more infuriated with him he takes another sip of his of his of, of his parenthetical haterade i mean watch this my man is on one look look at the text he's on one because he, he doesn't like that jesus turned this into a teaching lesson and, he, and it set him straight. So he now he's trying to justify himself a little bit more. And he says, well, 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 who's my neighbor, Jesus? Who's my neighbor? Friends, this hater stuff runs really deep. And the reason I'm saying that because I, 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 by asking such a question, this is what you don't know. When he's asking such a question, he's implying, don't miss this. He's implying that only some people are his neighbor and not all people. He should have asked, well, how do I love my neighbor more? How can I actually love my neighbor? And see, friends, therein lies the real problem, because when we read the text where it says we should love our neighbor as ourselves, you know what we do? We commonly or unintentionally think that means love the person that's like me. Love the person that, that I'm comfortable with. And most of the time, your neighbor is much different than you or someone that's flat out just hard for you to love. But hear me, our neighbor is whoever is in need. That, that's the immigrant, that's the widow, that's the poor, that's the rich, that's the, that's, the, that's the gay, that's the straight, that's the black, that's the white, that's the Asian, that's the Hispanic, that's on down the line. Those are your neighbors. And hear me, neighbor, don't miss this. Neighbor does not mean believer either. 
Loving your neighbor means showing the love of Christ to whoever it may be, hoping to point them to a greater somebody who is Jesus. That's loving your neighbor. And hear me. This almost always involves you putting yourself to the side and checking your presuppositions at the door because this may be uncomfortable. Actually, it will be uncomfortable. But family, loving your neighbor is not for your good. It's not for my good. It's for the good of the person that we're loving and for God's glory. We got to see people first as image bearers of God. You know, loving them despite of how of their disposition, despite of their sin, because that's how we were loved by God. He saw us in our mess. Saw us in our sin. We weren't saved yet. We weren't clean. We weren't good. And guess what? He still chose to love us. And it's the same thing with our neighbors. This is what makes me really sick about how we, I'm going to say Americans, we treat immigrants in our country. Because we don't see them as people. We see them as problems that need to be removed from society where if, if we actually got to know them as people, we might just have compassion on another person. We, we, we might just seek their betterment. The question again is how are we loving our neighbors? And besides that, family, here, here's the truth. Unless we're direct descendants of Native Americans, y'all here, we all are or once were immigrants here in this country. Got one clap. <laughs> and see, even bigger than that, as a Christian, y'all hear me, we worship a one-time illegal immigrant in Jesus. We don't think about that much, do we? Russell Moore, president of Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission at Southern Baptist in the Southern Baptist Commission, and he's a professor at Southern Seminary, writes these words. Look at these words. He says, I'm amazed when I hear evangelical Christians speak of undocumented immigrants in this country with disdain as, quotation, those people who are, quotation, draining our health care and welfare resources. It's horrifying to hear those identify with the gospel speak. Whatever their position on the issues with mean-spirited disdain for immigrants themselves, this is a gospel issue, he says. First of all, our Lord Jesus himself was a so-called illegal immigrant, fleeing like many of those in our country right now, a brutal political situation. Our Lord's parents sojourned with him to Egypt. Jesus, who lived out his life for us, spent his childhood years in a foreign land away from his relatives among people speaking a different language with strange customs. Hear me, family. This is much bigger than a political issue. And Christians especially have to understand this as a gospel issue and not something we just sweep under the rug. We have to see people as image bearers of God. And frankly, here's the truth. Every time you see an immigrant or someone who is not like you that is in need, you know who you're actually looking at? Jesus. Jesus says this to us in Matthew 25, verse 40. He says this, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, don't miss it, you did it to me. 
See, Jesus tells us that our response to the most vulnerable among us is a response to Jesus himself. This is bigger than politics. This is a gospel issue. And again, the question is, again, how are we treating our neighbor? Are we loving them? Which lends to the rest of this passage. Again, this man right here, he's trying to exclude himself from loving certain people, and he tries to catch Jesus with this question. I love that he's, keep, he's continually trying to catch Jesus. I mean, it's, it's, this is Jesus. And, and he asks him in the text, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus gives him a parable, which is a story used to illustrate a moral or, or spiritual lesson. And Jesus gives this parable of a man traveling down from Jerusalem to, Jer- to Jericho. Watch this. And now hear me. This, the, the route from, uh, uh, from Jericho to Jerusalem, this Jericho road, is still visible today including long stretches of rocky terrain that that were very useful bases of operations for robbers. They can hide out, they can jack you, they can do all of that. And and see, what happens is that this road descends downward about 3,200 feet for 18 miles between Jerusalem and and, and Jericho. So you can imagine the, the treacherous terrain in this journey that it is. Well, in this parable, along the route, the guy that's traveling he gets jumped, or in other words, because some of y'all may not know what that means, he, he gets beat down by some robbers, and they steal everything from him, and they leave him sitting dead, uh, or for dead, on the side of the road. Now, he's lying there, and along comes this priest, seeing him lying there, probably bleeding out, brutally beat, and what does he do? He, he goes to the other side of the street, now, now, this is a priest. One of his responsibilities, y'all, is to help those in need. But yet he sees this man bleeding out, and he, it's like, that ain't my problem, and just goes to the other side of the street while this guy is suffering. Then comes this Levite. A Levite is a person that descended from Levi, and, and, and he, he now is supposed to work alongside the priest. And what does he do when he sees the man? He walks to the other side, too. It's not my problem. Then comes along, you see this Samaritan. Oh, this Samaritan, verse 33, he he sees the man brutally beat and doesn't just look at him. But the text says that he had compassion on him. Remember that word? Compassion. He had compassion on him. Now, let me pause here because some of us might be sitting there. You may be a little upset with me. You may be justifying yourself. Like, I love immigrants. I do this. I know all of them, this and that. Well, look, look here. here. Here, don't tune out the rest of this message. Because here's the key word, it's compassion. Key word's compassion. So hear me, hear me. It's not enough to just say, I know some immigrants. I know, I know one black, I got one black friend. I got one white friend. Because of that, you know all immigrants, you know all black people, you know all white people, you know everything they go through. It's not enough to say all that. No, 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 the text says they have compassion. And hear me, in order to have true compassion, that means that you have to empathize first, which means that you have to understand or share the feelings of another person. And see, here's what you don't know. This right here in the text with this Samaritan, y'all, this would not have been normal. Samaritans, he, he wouldn't have been walking by himself. This is not a normal thing on this road amongst the Jews. And this is why, family, Follow me with this. I'm coming to your neighborhood. The reason is because there's this long history of hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans. 
It dates all the way back to 722 B.C. when the Assyrians came into Israel and they took over them and they intermarried with them. And now because of that procreation, you get these people called Samaritans. Jews do not like them to this day. They still refer to them as half-breeds, dogs, religious heretics. They don't like them. Then some years later, during the Persian period, the Jews, they're allowed back into Jerusalem in order to rebuild the temple. And you know who's opposing them coming back? The Samaritans. They don't want them to come back. They're trying to resist them from building this temple. They don't want this temple rebuilt because of the racial hatred they have towards these Jews. And then the Jews are like, no, nah, y'all can't help us even build this thing because we got to keep the purity of our race. They don't like each other. This is a history that dates all the way back to 722 B.C. So you can see the amount of hatred on both sides of the coin. It was a racial and a cultural hate that had been there for hundreds of years. And here's what we cannot miss. For the Samaritan to be walking amongst Jewish territory, one could imagine with this hatred, he's being ridiculed. He's being bashed, talked about the whole time while he's walking and he himself, if anybody could have been jumped, it could have been him. Beat down on the side of the road. Wouldn't have batted an eye at him being beat down. So when he sees this man, this Jewish man, beat down on the side of the road, he's able to empathize and have compassion on him because he's probably in his head like, yo, that could be me. That could be me. And because of that, what does he do? He stops. He helps his neighbor. And not only that, but if you keep reading it, it amazes me. He starts wiping his wounds, pouring oil all over him and cleaning him up. Then he pays for him to stay at a hotel, gives the innkeeper two denarii, which is two days wages to take care of him. Then he says, look, if that's not enough and my man is not healed by after two days, look, just keep him and take care of him. And I will repay you everything that it costs to take care of him. Y'all hear me. Jews and Samaritans did not talk to each other. But yet, this man's compassion in this parable compels him to care for him. Now, here's the catch. Because I know some of us are still probably sitting there saying, well, what does that have to do with me? What does this have to do with immigration? And here, here's what you cannot miss. This man in the text is Jewish, asking these questions. And so is the beat down man. Jesus intentionally uses two examples of men that are Jewish in a priest and in this Levite who should have and one would have thought would have stopped to help this man. But instead, they keep it on moving. But yet the one where hostility exists between the two, they don't even want each other in the same country. They can't walk through the same space together. He helps him. I mean, family, if you look closely at the text, don't miss this. Y'all can see the hostility. When Jesus asked this man, well, who proved to be the neighbor? My man won't even say Samaritan. He look, look at verse 37. He's like, the one who, the one who showed mercy. <laughs> Head shaking everything. He's mad. The one who showed mercy. And Jesus says, right. Right. That, that, that's the one. Go and do as he did. 
which I know had to make this brother sick to the core because, one, he would have hated the fact that he's been likened to, to, to a Samaritan. And then on the other hand, the Samaritan's the good guy and the Jewish man is the guy who got beat down. He would have been hating Jesus right now. And here's what I'm getting at. Here's what I'm getting at. I don't want you to miss this. And the issue that exists commonly with some of us, it's the same one this lawyer is suffering from right here in the text. Y'all hear me. We think way too highly of ourselves. We think way too highly of ourselves. We think we're better than others, whether we speak it or it's unspoken. And, and because of that, we don't help our neighbors. We don't even see them half the time. We just see tunnel vision to where I need to go. It's all about me. We think too highly and too much about ourselves. This man questioning Jesus. Again, he's questioning Jesus, trying to test him. Jesus, and, 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 and justify himself. He's trying to do all this. He's trying to say, Jesus, I'm better than you. I know more than you. I, I, I've, done, I've done good works. But yet Jesus turns the tables on him. I mean, the priest and the Levite in this text, when you look at it, they probably looked at the man and said, like, I got to get to the temple. I got better things to do, man. I see you laying there, but I, I got better things to do. And here's the sad part about it. They're probably used to seeing people beat down on this Jericho road and just passing them up. This, probably, this is probably normal for them. They just pass him up. They don't see him. So when they see this man, hear me, being too occupied, tunnel vision with their own well-being, and what they think they actually need to be doing, they pass him up. Now let me ask you, how many homeless people do you pass every day? Let me bring it a little closer to home. How many young black or Latino teens do you see around the city that I don't speak to that are steadily getting shot every day? How many immigrants do I really know? I mean, really know more than just their names. But yet, hear me, we can be legalistic, hating, just like this lawyer, and we're the ones that got to say something about everyone and everything. Never spoken to a homeless person or know their story. But yet the first one to say, well, if they can stand on that corner all day long, they can get a job. Don't even know their story. Don't know what happened. Never really spoken to a black Latino teen here in Chicago, but yet we label them as gangsters, just shooting themselves up where if you actually sat one down, you might learn because of societal oppression and fatherlessness and, and horrible school systems, you might see why they think joining a gang is the best option. Or better yet, let, let's talk about immigrants, not to be political, but we're all for the wall being built, but yet we've never spoken to an immigrant, undocumented or not, and, and heard their story of someone that was seeking help, someone seeking asylum, someone seeking a better life for their family, which, if I may say, that's what we're all doing here in America. And, and I'm not trying to condone uh, 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 breaking the law or anything. That's not what I'm trying to do. But the question I'm trying to ask you and bring it home to you is how are we loving our neighbors? How are we loving those that are around us? And in order to do that, y'all, you know what we got to do? We got to stop always thinking about ourselves. We got to think about someone else. 
This man in the text is a Samaritan where they don't even care for Jews. They don't talk to them, but yet he can't walk past him. He stops on this rough road, Jericho Road, risking his life and has compassion on this man. Y'all, he takes care of him and provides for him. Family, here's the point in all of this. Again, I say it again. This immigration issue here in America is not merely political. It's about the gospel. It's about how do we love our neighbors. With this passage, Jesus is saying that loving your neighbor doesn't involve just holding a rally, doesn't involve just making a sign, it doesn't involve just having a conversation, but sometimes loving your neighbor means diving into their situation with them and giving of yourself, giving of your time, and giving of your treasure, just like this Samaritan does here in the text. It many times means disadvantaging yourself for the good of another person. I mean, think about it. Think about it. Just think about it for a minute. How could we help undocumented immigrants instead of shunning them? How could we do it? Maybe, maybe let's start with just hearing their story. How about that? Then, then, then maybe... Help them study for the citizenship test. Then maybe help pay or maybe raise some money to pay for their citizenship. How about that? I mean, it's no little task for somebody to become legal here in America. Many don't have money, and some of the questions on the test, if you ain't never seen it before, we can't answer. <laughs> and I know this for sure because my mother-in-law just took it, and she was telling me some of the answer, test questions. I'm like, ain't no, what is that? I didn't study that in social studies. I don't know that. And friends, remember, this is bigger than immigrants. Loving your neighbor involves loving anyone around you or people in need. Don't miss this. If you truly love your neighbor, then what Jesus is really getting at here in this passage is that you can't limit the implications of love based on the person or the task. Let me say that again. You can't limit the implications of love based on the person or the task. Loving your neighbor is unconditional. You know how I know this? Because Jesus' love was unconditional towards us. He loved us while we were yet still in our sin, still enemies of his. He still chose to love us unconditionally. As I said in the beginning, many of us can agree on border control and the safety of America. The real question is, do we see our neighbors? That's the question we got to ask. Do we see others as image bearers of God? Better yet, do, do we as believers, this is where the compassion comes in, do we as believers see ourselves once immigrants being allowed into this foreign kingdom of God? through his love and by faith. Because hear me, if we do, then we will have compassion on other people. We'll be like the Samaritan in this text, and we won't be able to walk by people that are in need without helping them. Again, do we love our neighbors? Let me end with this quote, another quote by Russell Moore. He speaks passionately on this issue. I love these words. He says, immigration isn't just an issue. It's an opportunity to see that 
as important as the United States of America is, there will be a day when the United States of America will no longer exist. And on that day, here it is, the sons and daughters of God will stand before the throne of a former undocumented immigrant. Some of them are migrant workers and hotel maids now. They will be kings and queens then. They are our brothers and sisters forever. We might be natural-born Americans, but we're all immigrants to the kingdom of God. Whatever our disagreements on immigration as a policy, we must not disagree on immigrants as persons. Our message to them in every language and to every person must be whosoever will may come. Mm. It's good. Family, this is an issue that falls under us loving our neighbors. And the question again is, how am I loving my neighbors? And if I'm not, how can I do it better? That's the question I want you to ponder. Next week, I, again, I don't want you to miss this conversation. It's going to be an awesome time. Please join us. Come back next week. Bring your friends. Bring your fam- family. As we talk about the gospel and race specifically pertaining to issues of immigration, and you're going to hear from some of the folks in our own church, immigrants and, and mothers and parents of immigrants that are going to talk and share their story here at our church. Be here next week. Don't miss it. Again, family, remember this question as you walk about your day, as you read the newspaper, as you open up the word of God, as you dwell with your friends and community, am I loving my neighbor? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this morning. You're an awesome God. And we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, for loving us being intentional with that love when we are yet enemies weren't even allowed into your kingdom because of our sin but yet you left heaven and came down here for our sakes you died the death that we should die because you loved us and if we learn anything about loving another person that's different God you showed us the best way And we're here because you loved us. So God, I pray that we love our neighbors as you have loved us. That we be intentional in that love. Cross lines that maybe society doesn't want us to cross or may be difficult. And know that if we call ourselves believers, our home is with you in heaven, God. And as we're loving our neighbors, we want other people to experience that same hope and that same home in heaven that we will have with you, God. So we want to love them well. God, I pray if there's folks that are battling with that in here, maybe said I haven't done that well and need to repent, God, I pray that they would have time right now with you. If there's someone in here to say I need to do that more, God, I pray that they would do that. They'd be intentional about their love and they would do this remembering what you've done for them. God, I pray those words as we enter this time of communion that that's what we would do. We would do this in remembrance of what you did for us on the cross. God, you're good. We love you. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus, and we all said together, amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul, and I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you.